2: Montana's only daily sports talk show. is Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: Many of you, it's the height of summer, but for me, for us, it's pretty much the last day of summer. But that's an excellent thing. What's up, everybody? Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Zulu Broadcasting Company, locally owned and operated for more than 15 years, and happy to say so, our main man Andrew Houghton, He's, back. he's been on the road a lot. He was in Spokane last Monday, uh, corresponding for us from the Big Sky Kickoff Media Days, which was sort of the official kickoff of the media cycle. But I, you know, I've been doing this now. This is going to be football season 17 for me as a, a you know. I guess, quote-unquote, professional journalist in one capacity or the other, whether it's newspapers or magazines or uh, Skyline Sports, our multimedia company, or uh, here at ESPN Radio, 17 college football seasons for me. Pretty cool. Uh, I'm getting to be an old, grizzled veteran, even though I'm not even ready to call myself middle-aged quite yet. But either way, I've always kind of treated the calendar the same. From Memorial Day through the last day of July, it's summer. It's summer. We'll give you some content, especially when we're burning uh, you know, on hot topics and things like that. And uh, we've had some podcasts, and of course we've done this radio show all summer long as well. But then once the calendar turns to August, hit the ground running. So we are going to have a ton of content for you. I've been working on uh, my master plan, as I always do, with all the content. And uh, Andrew's been filling up the Google Doc with story ideas as well. We only used a a fraction of the stuff out of the Big Sky kickoff last week, so we got jam-packed shows for you, pretty much starting today through the end of 2023. I know for a lot of you, you're saying, well, shoot, school doesn't even start for another month, and we still got plenty of time. The the Western Montana Fair hasn't even come about yet, plenty of golf left to be played, plenty of lake days, and maybe we can get a couple in now, but we're shifting into it, so it's... uh, Full board, full speed ahead here for us at nuanas Now and at Skyline Sports. So stay tuned. As always, you can listen in Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m., right here on 1029 ESPN Radio. Or you can always stream on the ESPN MT app or on 1029ESPN.com. And if you want to catch the show in its totality or on your own time, you can always check it out on the nuanas Now podcast as well. So uh, all of that upcoming, you know it's going to be all football all the time, but we also have a whole bunch of other fun storylines for you as well. And that's basically what we're going to do here today. We got uh, a whole bunch of stuff to talk about around the Big Sky Conference, um, including some really good questions from you guys when it comes to the state of the league. We're also going to hear from a couple young men from Eastern Washington's football team because I do think it's very interesting that Sort of in our in our scope, uh, we cover the Big Sky Conference at large at Skyline Sports, but high priority on Montana, Montana State, and for the first half of Skyline Sports' history, at least may, maybe even more, Eastern Washington was in that top group, and there was a couple years there where Eastern Washington was the top team that we covered, mostly because they were the ones that were going the farthest in the playoffs, so... It's interesting to me that Eastern is not really that big of a talking point, period, when we are talking about the big sky right now. And it's also so interesting to me that Idaho, who's one of Eastern's rivals, has sort of seamlessly replaced the Eagles in that conversation of sort of the big sky powers. Very, very strange. So we'll talk about that dynamic. We're also going to talk about the quarterback battle at Montana. I know a lot of people saw Sam Vidlak in the spring. They were impressed by the Boise State transfer. Bobby Houck has certainly stated and staked after multiple media interviews last week that Sam Vildek is in the mix at quarterback, so is Clifton McDowell, and so is Chris Brown. Interesting to hear Coach Houck state that on the record and talk, I thought, glowingly about Clifton McDowell to our Andrew Houghton, so we'll get to that uh, here in a while as well. A.J. Forbes will also chime in. He's a a senior center for the University of Montana and an all-league season out of the former Nebraska transfer Could certainly bode incredibly well uh, for the Grizz. Andrew's been on the road so much because he was at the Big Sky kickoff, but then he was also taking in UFC 291. Live and in person from the Delta Center there in Salt Lake City. I uh, had a a little impromptu trip up to Flathead Lake on Saturday, played a little golf in the morning, went on a little boat ride in the afternoon, but then I came busting back into town because I had a whole bunch of stuff to do uh, around the house. You know how it goes. Sunday chores, got to get ready. But I didn't get home until there was only four fights left on the UFC card. I still spent the 80 bucks and ordered it at my house and watched it all by myself. <laughs> and it was totally worth the money. But Andrew was live and in person, so we'll get some uh, reactions from him. What was it like being there? Justin Gaethje, wow, what a knockout. I uh, can't believe that you were there to see that live and in person. That's, uh, that's going to be pretty cool to get reactions from. We also got updates from the Montana Women's State Amateur Golf Tournament, the Class A American Legion State Tournament, the uh, U-12 softball Little League World Series qualifier. We also got news out of the Frontier Conference. We got plenty more Big Sky Conference discussion. And to take you home, we'll hear from Sean Chambers. He's a senior quarterback for Montana State. So we got Montana, Montana State, Eastern Washington players all representing here uh, today on this Nuanas Now. Thanks so much for tuning in. Appreciate you for being here. Fall camp starts this week across the state of Montana, both Montana and Montana State. I'm headed over to Bozeman Wednesday for Montana State's annual media day. I wish I wish everybody would do this. It just makes it so much easier. You can just go and get a bunch of interviews with guys. I mean, during fall camp, you're going to be asking the guys the same stuff, you know. How you feeling? What do you think of your position battle? You're going into fall camp. What are your expectations for the season? Let's just get a whole bunch of them done all at once. Anyways, appreciate Montana State for hosting that. And so I'll be attending that on Wednesday. And then we, we'll be doing this show here uh, live from Bobcat Stadium. And we'll also have some uh, pu- a ton of coverage from the University of Montana as well. Planning on going down uh, to Grizz practice for sure Thursday and uh, probably for sure Saturday as well. So looking forward uh, to getting my eyes on the 2023 Grizzlies for the first time uh, as well. We also have a whole bunch of Paddleheads tickets for you this week, including right now. We got a pair of tickets to Wednesday's uh, Paddleheads game. The uh, Paddleheads back in town, and they're hosting the Great Falls Voyagers uh, for the next several days. So if you want a couple tickets to Wednesday's Missoula Paddleheads game, call right now, 406 888-1029. 888-1029. That's 888-1029. You can call and text that number anytime, but if you want paddleheads tickets right now, call number 2, 888 Got two of them for you. To Wednesday's Missoula Paddleheads game against the Great Falls Voyagers. Had an awesome weekend. Actually, didn't golf this weekend. I did golf on Saturday morning. That's funny. I play so much golf that I don't even remember when I do golf. I didn't golf in Missoula. I think that's why it seemed like I didn't golf. And I also followed up my golf in Pulson on Saturday with uh, a dip in the lake, a boat ride. I hadn't done any of that so far yet this summer. So that was fun. Don't know if I'm even going to be able to make it back up. It's crazy. Everybody tells you this when you're when you're young, when you're a kid, when you're in your 20s, how fast your life starts to go when you're in your 30s. You just shrug it off and you're like, nah, you're just being an old person. Man, it just flies by. I can't believe I just went to the lake for the first time and it might have already been the last time, but at least I got there one time, right? So hopefully uh, you got a couple lake weekends uh, coming up as well. Also, uh, we are going to continue talking about all the things that we are reading. I, I did a whole garage overhaul over the last couple weekends including yesterday, big time. But I uh, uncovered relocated, I should say, an unbelievable amount of awesome sports content for you. Being the uh, <laughs> the compulsive sports freak that I am, with also my profound hoarder tendencies, yet great organizational skills when it comes to collectible goods. <laughs> I, I have so many old Sports Illustrateds. I also have so many old... Missoulian and Bozeman Daily Chronicle sports pages, many of which I uh, was the author in. So uh, we're going to play some fun games, especially with the sports illustrated. I, I thought of this the other day. I've had a subscription to sports illustrated now for 25 years. So we're going to play a little game where it's today in sports illustrated. We'll just pull out an old SI and just see what we can find, talk about it, have some fun, you know, create conversations. So stay tuned for that as well. And, uh, A a bunch of great books that I'm reading that's going to be fodder for radio talk uh, as well. Congratulations to our winner for the Paddleheads tickets. We'll have two more to uh, Wednesday's game. Let's dive in now to the Montana Football Hour. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications, the official digital sponsor of Grizzly Athletics. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you uh, and your small business. First of all, Andrew, welcome back. I, I know we're going to get into the analysis of all of it, but uh, what a fight to see. I know that UFC still remains on sort of the peripheral. It's definitely bigger than it's ever been yet. Still, I would not say mainstream part of that's the violence. Part of that's just the pay-per-view pricing. And part of that's just how, how hard it is to have sustainable stars, but you got to see a couple of the most sustainable stars in the UFC and Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje on, uh, in the, in the main event on Saturday night, uh, what an experience, Ben. I'm so happy that you got to do that, uh, electric in that arena all night long.
3: Yeah, don't say it was unsustainable to the people who were there at the Delta Center For on sure. Saturday night because that was completely sold out. Uh, I mean, the buzz around uh, a combat sport event is something that that is really difficult to replicate anywhere else in the world uh, For sure. because of a number of factors, and, and being a part of that You know, maybe twenty, twenty-five rows back from the action for uh, what was an incredibly action-packed card, not just the main event, which ended, of course, with Justin Gaethje head-kicking Dustin Poirier for a knockout. Uh, The entire card, it's just, you go to another plane of existence for a little while because the atmosphere is, is so great and you're there with a ton of people, uh, who who are all in the same mindset as you are a, a really great concert is sort of what it's like more than even a lot of other sporting events that I've been to. So we can talk about it more later. But yeah, what what an experience!
0: Uh, it was cool too because the uh, you could feel it just watching on the pay per view the energy in the arena. But then after the uh, the card was finished, it, it was all that the the announcers could talk about. I mean, it was what Joe Rogan and all the other people on uh, the uh, the 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 call were talking about. So, uh, pretty cool. It was very apparent to them uh, as well. We also have a Brawl of the Wild by the Mile coming up on Wednesday. That's where we give you $50 gift cards to Town Pump. We'll be previewing the first opponents for both Montana and Montana State. Uh, I should say the first, the weekly opponents. So, uh, with fall camp opening tomorrow, that means we're officially a month out from the season opener. Both the Grizz and the Cats open up on September 2nd. Uh, That's Saturday of uh, Labor Day weekend. The Grizz open up with Butler of the Pioneer Football League at high noon. Man, it's going to be hot on September 2nd at high noon, I think. And then the Cats host their annual Gold Rush game at 6 p.m. against Utah Tech. So uh, split kicks, which means that I'll be at both games. Uh, we'll be doing our college game day pregame show leading up to the uh, Grizz opener against Butler. And then I'll probably watch until the game's in hand. And I expect the game probably to be in hand pretty early on uh, with the Grizzlies hosting the uh, a Pioneer Football League team. Uh, and then I'll beat feed over to Bozeman. And we'll watch the Cats open up under the lights uh, against Utah Tech. Town Pup will be keeping us on the road all season long. Brawl of the Wild by the mile. They'll hook us up. We'll hook you up. And uh, we'll all win, but we appreciate Town Pump for keeping us traveling all the way around the Big Sky Conference. Uh, Andrew, when it comes to openers, the Grizz, particularly, particularly under Bobby Houck, and, and this isn't always true because uh, you know Coach Houck does have one of the great wins in, in school history when the Grizz won in Seattle two years ago against the University of Washington. But more often than not, Bobby Houck's teams, uh, and some of this is outside of Coach Houck's control. It's just what the athletic department schedules. But they seem to sort of lean toward wanting to have a home game against a team you're going to absolutely drill. Whether it's Northwestern State a couple years ago, I guess that was last year, or Butler uh, this year. Other schools in the big sky... By necessity, you have to play a pair of FBSs, if not sometimes one or even two power fives. That's sort of out of your control as well. That's you know a financial sacrifice, basically, that the athletic department is demanding of you. And then there's sort of the in-between opener you could have where you play at a Mountain West like the Cats did against Wyoming two years ago or as Idaho does this year against Nevada. What's the best? What's the best way to open the season? Would you rather just drill a team you're supposed to beat at home, or would you rather, you know, go take a Mountain West down to the wire, or would you rather you know, see the elephant and and you know play a Penn State and you're never going to play a team as good as that team again? I think in general the best way to go is is
3: what Idaho is doing this year, where you've got a game that you can compete in uh, and a game that will raise the the profile of your program if you win a lower tier. Uh, Mountain West School, uh, a team that you can look at, an FBS team that you can look at and say legitimately, we got a chance to win this game and and, and really put a marker down for the program. But I also think, Coulter, uh, Montana and Montana State are a little bit of a unique circumstance, right? Because uh, for, for any number of reasons, not only because of the size of the fan base, I think that I, I see the logic of Montana and Montana State saying, well, look. We want to get people excited about the season early. We want to sort of wrench our fan base's attention away from everything that's happening in the summer in these communities, right? Uh, we we want to we want to make sure that people know that that we're here again, that it's football season again, to remind them that they can have a great time going to a
0: football game. Sorry if you see me running around in the studio. It's Nuana's now, ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television, where you can watch the the mania live and in person. I uh, I had some popping in my headphones, so I thought my mic was maybe messed up, but then I realized it's just because I didn't have my headphones plugged in right. So we're good to go. I was just going to change to the other side and get on that mic, but uh, don't worry. Tommy, Tommy has uh, fully... Warped my brain when I first started doing radio. I didn't even know anything about sound quality. I was just trying to sound good That was it now uh, because of Tommy's mentorship to myself and to Andrew uh, the audio quality is a very big deal to us because if we don't get it right, he's pretty angry so uh, Tommy you're you're rubbing off on us. Uh, certainly I mean, it's it's kind of like the old Nick Saban trick, right? Alabama Every year opens with one of if not the hardest opponents of the first week in all of college football. And they sort of trade that to them playing usually a regional FCS opponent the week before the SEC championship game. And Nick Saban says, I want my guys to train for nine months for the first game and have it be huge and then have our tune-up game be before our biggest game. So uh, that's the way Alabama's coach leans. I remember when Jeff Choate was the head coach at Montana State, he was trying to, to schedule as powerhouse a non-conference as he possibly could to get his team ready, even if you sacrifice uh, maybe a, a subpar win-loss record early. I guess that's the other part about this, Andrew, is when you're a, a team like for certainly Montana State, and I actually tend to believe now that we've analyzed the schedule and a lot of the, the circumstances here, I think Montana's a, a, a Big Sky Conference title contender this year as well. But when you're that sort of team and 8, nine, ten wins really is realistic – a 1-2 start hurts you a little bit more. Whereas if you're Idaho, you look at Idaho's schedule, if Idaho starts 1-2, and two, they're still going to be absolutely in the mix as a playoff team uh, if they do what they're supposed to do in Big Sky Conference play.
3: Yeah, this stuff is, is an art, putting together a, a schedule that goes with uh, your conference schedule. I mean, can you get a good home game in non-conference? That's sort of an, another one of the holy grails for these teams. Can you get a good FCS team right. to your place in non conference because right. that's huge and that has the potential to really help you down the stretch with seating, potentially the win that gets you off the bubble and into the playoffs. For sure. How do you build that around? You know, if you need a home game, do you just bite the bullet and bring in a D2 team like the Grizz are doing this year? Uh, it, it, those, those slots, the, the three or sometimes occasionally four non conference slots for all of these FCS teams are so, so important to get right. And I don't think that, uh, uh you know, I think if you asked athletic directors and, and football coaches around the country, they would very rarely say, if you gave them truth serum, that they had a perfect non-conference schedule just For because sure. there are so many shifting parts to it.
0: Well, and that's the that, that's the reality of the situation and also one of the most annoying parts. Andrew Houghton chiming in here uh, on nuan is now ESPN Radio. It's the Montana Football Hour. There's a there's a stark financial reality to this. Schools in the Big Sky Conference like Portland State or Idaho State that don't necessarily draw tremendous numbers, their revenue for a home game pales in comparison to the revenue that they're going to get from playing an FBS and especially a Power 5. For example, uh, a Mountain West team will usually play, pay a Big Sky Conference team between th- between three and four hundred thousand dollars to come play them. When you're talking about the the upper echelon, the Power Five, you're usually getting between six hundred and fifty and eight hundred thousand dollars to play one of the top uh, FBS programs. I'm not. I, I can't give you an exact quote of what an Idaho State or a Portland State makes at the gate. But it's nowhere close to three or four hundred thousand dollars, and it's not even in the realm of uh, similarity. If you're talking about seven hundred and fifty or eight hundred thousand dollars, like those teams can get if they play a Pac-12, for example, the Cats and the Grizz, it's a lot closer. The Grizz make between eh, six twenty-five and seven hundred thousand dollars in revenue per home game. So that means you got to pay them. At least 650, if not more. Like, for example, when the Grizz went to Washington, they got paid 675 and they got a win. So, that in turn also makes it a little tougher to schedule when you prove you can win it. But a lot of times, I know people sort of sometimes bellyache at the schedule when they see Butler or Stetson or Utah Tech or Ferris State. There's a reason for that, though. Sometimes those are the only teams that the, the Grizz or the Cats can get to come to Montana. They need to do it to produce the revenue. They know it's going to be a guaranteed win. But the only way that that would really ever change is if the stadium wasn't sold out. And guess what? It doesn't matter if it's Butler and Utah Tech on September seventh or on September second, excuse me, in Missoula and Bozeman, respectively. Both stadiums are going to be sold out. And so that's that's what I mean. That's what it is. It's it's the it's the revenue guarantee that these teams need. And then the, you know then you just got to go make sure you take care of business. And that, and that's the other part is you, know, you talk about biting the bullet and scheduling a D2 well now you got the two time defending uh, Division 2 national champions coming to Missoula in week (laughs) 2 now you got to go make sure you win that game because you scheduled it for a revenue guarantee but you also need to make sure you turn it into the the guaranteed win it's supposed to be well and doesn't that do as much for the preparation
3: as, as like what you were talking about with Nick Saban at Alabama right like you know you're scheduling a tough opponent well I think you get the same pressure from scheduling a team that you you know you should beat, and also knowing uh, that you're going to have a sold-out stadium at home, right? Wouldn't that give you the same type of, of of motivation to prepare for that game, just so you do take care of business? It doesn't seem like it would be uh, difficult to motivate players
0: for that game. A couple of the uh, tougher non-conference schedules in the in the league include a pair of rivals in Idaho. Uh, and Eastern Washington, um, the uh, the Vandals play two FBSs. They play both um, Nevada and Cal. And, Andrew, you sort of think that they might be able to uh, be in the mix with these two.
3: Yeah, I think it'll tell us a lot about what Idaho looks like early. But, uh, you know, Nevada, not a world-beating um, Mountain West team. And, of course, Cal, I mean, Power Five is just so difficult. To project, but sure. Cal's projected to be at the bottom of that. They have been at the bottom of the pack for, for a while. Yeah, for a while.
0: I, I also misspoke. Idaho I does not open with Nevada. They actually open at Lamar, so that's a home and home, and then they are at Nevada at Cal, so three straight home or away games, excuse me, for the Vandals. Uh, so we'll see if they can uh, do better than what would be a a one and two start. Eastern Washington they open against North Dakota State in Minneapolis. That's a sweet game. Eastern is as good as any program in the country at getting these neutral site games. I remember that's they used, the dream. They used to play these battle in Seattle's. It was unfortunately it was against central Washington when central Washington was so good. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, they drew well, but they weren't necessarily able to beat the tar on a central because central's pretty close to Eastern during that time. And, and that was when Eastern was excellent. So, uh, but a neutral site game against NDSU big time for Eastern. Then they're at Fresno state and then they host uh, southeastern Louisiana at home. So that's a pretty tough, uh, Non conference as well. The last thing I want to talk about here before we get into some cats and grizz stuff leading up to fall camp is just the fact that for most of the 2010s, the hierarchy of the big sky conference began with Eastern Washington. And when it comes to our coverage model at Skyline Sports and now here subsequently at ESPN MT, grizz, cats, cats, grizz, whatever, those are your. Your 1A and 1B in no particular order. We try to give them as even coverage as we possibly can. But then the 1C was Eastern for quite some time. Part of that's just because of how many people in the state of Montana care about Eastern Washington football. Also part of it's because Eastern's been so good. Eastern seems to be so far outside the conversation now, Andrew. We have spent so much time talking about these six teams in the Big Sky. We think are playoff teams. We've hardly talked at all about Eastern. And I also find it dually fascinating that Idaho has replaced Eastern sort of in this hierarchy of Big Sky Conference conversation. Uh, disconcerting if you're the Eagles for sure. Uh, what do you think of this dynamic?
3: Super interesting for sure, especially the sort of, uh, you know, as you pointed out, Idaho coming over to take on sort of that uh, resurgent contender spot as Eastern falls out of it. Also a little bit encouraging for Eastern because you see how quickly it can flip, right? I mean, Idaho, we've said it time and time again, was the most irrelevant team in the league for for multiple years after they came back up or back down, I guess, from FBS, well, one good year, and you're right back in the national conversation. Eastern's had a couple of down years here, uh, but it's got to be encouraging to see how quickly that can flip. But, yeah, I just there's not a ton to say about Eastern this year. They fall through the cracks a lot because we, we both don't think that they're a playoff team. We both really don't think that they're a playoff contender. We also don't think they're going to be bad, and they also don't really have a, a news hook this season because Aaron Best is still there.
0: When you look at their... They're all-conference nominees. I was going through them. They had a bunch of guys that were pretty good. They had a bunch of pretty good guys that were nominated for all-conference. But they used to have 8 to 10 first-team all-league guys. Now they still have like 8 to 10 all-league guys. They're just third-team all-league guys. It's just like this incremental downgrade in talent. So let's hear from a couple of those guys. I actually think Efton Chisholm's one of the best players in the conference, one of the best skill guys in the conference. And I actually think Darian Sampson's one of the most underrated defensive backs in the conference. Sampson was uh, an all-big sky guy uh, one time in his career. He's battled injuries quite a bit, but he's now a redshirt senior, and he was an all-conference nominee coming into this year. Chisholm is a returning all-conference guy uh, who should be one of the best uh, individual skill players in the conference. Andrew talked to those two young guys earlier, uh, I guess, last week. Darion, what are we looking at at Eastern's defense this year? How much do you guys have coming back?
1: Uh, we got we got an older group. We, we lost a few guys, but we got new contributors now, and they came out this off season to work. and It's a family now, so we're just getting ready to go. and It's a vet group. We all we all played a lot of ball, no matter where you came from. me We're just
3: ready to go. What's the biggest change between between last offseason and this offseason? I mean, thinking about this this time of year going into the season is it any different from last year?
1: Yeah, it's been a ton different. Uh, ever since last year we had a sour taste in our mouth and once it hit January we decided to come up with a game plan as leaders of the de- uh, team and grab the guys together to them this is what we're going to do and from January all the, all the way till now it's just been straight just player in work and we just been grinding and Creating a real brotherhood between the whole team, and I think we're gonna have a great a great season because we laid down the foundation <laughs> in the off season.
3: Efton, can you talk about that as well? I mean, Eastern Washington program with a ton of uh, tradition of success, right? Last year was not where you guys wanted to be. Can you talk about um, you know what you're hoping to do
2: coming into this year? I mean, when we look at like the preseason stuff, like no one expects us to to be back to where we were. So the biggest thing for us is just believing believing in the team, regardless of. Who says we're going to do this? Who says we're going to do that? Like, we just got to lean on each other and, and go out there and just play how we know how to play.
3: I think the the big spot that
2: everybody's watching at Eastern,
3: of course, is the, the quarterback. You guys had Eric Barrier. Gunnar Talkington came in last year.
2: Um, who are we watching at that position this year for you guys? I mean, we- Kakoa Vesperis is going to be the guy. He's, he's a stud. He's, he's got a little it factor to him so I'm excited to see how he does this year. I think he's going to take the league by storm, honestly.
3: It's interesting because he's a guy who came in as a freshman, right? We see a lot of um, teams trying to make a go of it with transfers in this league, at quarterback particularly. Guys dropping down, guys coming into the program. Kakoa Vesperis is a name who I recognize because I, I know you guys recruited him at Eastern. What's it been like to watch him grow these last couple years? I mean, it's been awesome
2: because I actually had uh, the ability to know him in high school a little bit too, so so we knew each other in high school and just seeing him grow, not just as a football player, but as a, like, just a human being. He's, he's more professional now. He knows how to carry himself. Like he, He's going to be ready to go.
0: Can Kakoa Vespa be good enough for Eastern Washington to be good? And why don't we think of the fact that there's an actual real quarterback battle at the University of Montana. That's next. Don't change the dial. Keep it right here. Montana Football Hour rolls on. It's Nuwana's now ESPN Radio. and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players. We know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschulteilaw.com. One, two, three. One is now on ESPN Radio. I was in super early this morning and – uh they were playing some Green Day on the trail. So that inspired me. Probably going to have some Green Day on the show the next couple of days. Welcome back. New on is Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. The Montana Football Hour rolls on. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com. Blackfoot, the proud digital sponsors of Bobcat Sports and Grizzly Athletics. We left off with Efton Chisholm, a all-league wide receiver for Eastern Washington, talking about... Kakoa Vesper, uh, Vesperas, excuse me, and uh, he is a kid from Spanaway, Washington, a place that's produced a ton of great big sky athletes in recent years. I don't really know what I think of this young man, only because he came into the game. The only time I've seen him live and in person was when he came into the game for Hunter Talk or Gunnar Talkington, excuse me, uh, when the Eastern Washington was getting absolutely drilled by the Grizzlies last year in Missoula. I mean, he looked like he had a little bit of juice, like he could run it. I know within the program, they're very high on him. The thing about Eastern Washington is that the bar is so high at quarterback. To be comparable to anybody that came before you over the last 25 years, you literally have to be one of the three best quarterbacks in the league, and most likely you actually have to be the single best quarterback in the Big Sky Conference because... Eastern Washington's had seven different quarterbacks that have won Big Sky Conference MVPs over the last 20-something years. So uh, pretty interesting. Uh, But I do think if if the young man at Eastern Washington can be a true you know, all-league game-changing type talent, that could be the one thing that could lift Easter Washington up uh, above where most people have them, which is either in the middle or toward the bottom of the big sky, which is a unfamiliar position over the last 15 years for the Eagles. Uh, let's talk about the Grizz and the Cats as they are both set to uh, open fall camp on... Uh, later on this week, Thursday, uh, is, is when both of these schools are open. And it's it's different the way it works now, just depending on what sort of doubles you're going to do. You can't really do true two-a-days. I shouldn't say can't really. You can't do tr- true double-day practices. You can have a walkthrough uh, as a second practice of the day regardless. The Both schools are opening up, and I think it's going to be very fascinating to watch, particularly at Montana, what they do at the quarterback position. I think that, that for the first time in a long time, they're pretty solid along the offensive line, although I do think they need to have a, a solid fifth. I think certainly Chris Walker and Brandon Casey are the starting tackles. A.J. Forbes is the starting center, and Hunter McGinnis is one of the starting guards. Who's the other starting guard, and where's the offensive line fall into place for the Grizz? There's certainly plenty to battle out at running back rotation, receiver rotation. Something we teased for, uh, well, I guess we actually just straight up talked about two weeks ago. Cole Grossman, the really talented tight end for the the Grizzlies. We said this on the show, but he confirmed it over the weekend. He is uh, out for the season. He had uh, knee surgery this summer. He said on his Instagram page that he plans on coming back for his senior year for the Grizz, but he will not be available in 2023. So who steps up at the tight end spot for the Grizz? Uh, We know that they have a bunch of guys that are going to be in the rotation on the defensive front seven. There's certainly going to be some battles on the back end, but I think it's going to be among the most interesting and among the brightest spotlights of any position group battle in the conference, the Grizz at quarterback. Sam Vildag looked pretty darn good to me during the spring game. I thought he looked uh, like an upgrade over Lucas Johnson. I thought Johnson was good to really good when he was good last year. He was also Injured and sometimes inconsistent. And I also thought sort of the symmetry with Montana's offense was was not there. Seemed like Vidlak was a little bit better fit within what they're doing now offensively under new offensive coordinator Brent Pease. Some of the improvements might just be schematic. But still, I thought I thought Vidlak looked like a, a good to very good player during spring ball. But Bobby Halk has got about talking that he wants a quarterback competition. They brought in a transfer in Clifton McDowell who started his career at Louisiana, then went to a, a junior college, and that now comes to Montana from Central Arkansas. And then they also have continued to support a guy that's started more games than anybody within the program, and that's Chris Brown, a guy who started four games during his redshirt freshman year, and then started uh, a couple games last year when Johnson was down with an injury. So uh, despite the fact that I thought that Sam Vidlak looked pretty darn good during the spring. There's a quarterback competition at Montana, and Bobby Houck certainly set the table for that during media day last week. Uh, here's what Coach Houck had to say.
3: You guys brought in a quarterback, Sam Vidlak in the winter, and then Clifton McDowell joining the team uh, just recently in the summer. What have you seen from those guys? Of course, Sam gets the chance to be here for spring ball.
2: Um, what do you think about the is the competition between those guys? Well, I'd say I think it's probably uh, Sam Clifton and Chris Brown um, probably are the the guys that have the chance to be the starter. Um, I don't think the young guys will be in that mix, barring something unforeseen during training camp. But, uh, you know, they're they're all uh, working at it. I would say that Sam probably came out of spring ball a little bit ahead. But I I do think a good quarterback competition will make everybody better. And uh, I'm really excited about uh, watching that during training camp. And I can hear Marty yelling my name up there on TV. Uh, But then, uh, uh, you know, Clifton's the guy that how fast he grasps things, being the late arrival, um, will determine how much he gets to play. We're counting on him being a productive piece for us. So I, I think uh, I think our quarterback position's in good hands. I'm excited about those guys. What was the connection with Clifton McDowell when you, when you started recruiting him? Was he a guy that you were aware of? No, he's not a guy uh, that we had had any. You know, he's from a different part of the country. Yep. And, you know, he had good film. He had some good plays. And um, it was a really engaging guy, bright. Um, you know, he kind of took a leap of faith coming to join us from uh, from a long way away you know it's hard to it's hard to get guys from the southeast uh to come to montana and he said i'm doing this uh, i my perspective is that he's really uh, assimilated well in the team guys like him uh, i think he's like the guys in our locker room yeah he's a good guy he's smart he's he's uh competitive he's tough-minded um uh, so that will lend itself to him being a vital element on our team, I think. And then the other guy I wanted to ask you about individually, a guy who uh,
3: made the preseason all-conference list this morning, uh, Alex Gubner, a guy who we've loved watching for uh, a couple years at Montana. How's he looking heading heading into the season?
2: Well, he looked, Gubb looks good. Um, he had to have... Uh, uh, he has some health problems coming out of the season, so he didn't do much in the, in the spring, um, which is fine. Um, but he's, he's 100% ready to go, and uh, he'll have a big year. I mean, everybody likes their guys. Um, I love my guys.
0: In fact, I, I, think, I think Gubb's the best defensive player in our conference. Well, extra about the man in the middle, the king pig, Alex Gubner. We actually played that one last week as well. Sorry, I forgot to edit it right off the end, but still worth listening to. Maybe you didn't hear it, and even if you did, you know, it's only 15 more seconds. But I agree. I think Alex Gubner is certainly one of the best defensive players in the Big Sky Conference, uh, one of the best players uh, in the Big Sky Conference, and certainly going to be a key uh, for Montana. The uh, offensive representative for the Grizzlies last week at the Big Sky kickoff, and you are listening to the Montana Football Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications, the official digital sponsor of Grizzly Athletics. The representative for the Grizz, AJ Forbes, a former transfer from the University of Nebraska, who's now going into his third season as a starter at center for the Grizzlies. He's been solid the last two years. If he can become very good and be a true all-conference type player, that'd be huge for the University of Montana. Uh, Here's A.J. Forbes with Andrew Houghton. Uh, Here with A.J. Forbes, Montana Center, joining us at the Big Sky
3: kickoff. A.J., I I think just the first thing, where are the expectations at heading into the season for this team? Yeah, I think the University of Montana is in a unique situation where uh, we're
1: in a unique situation where we're contending for a national championship every year. Not, Not every school, uh, in America can say that, but we can and I think really that's the expectation for this team.
3: What's this off season been like? Has it been any different from, from last off season? You know I think obviously
1: we had some some coaching changes this, this off season but I, I really think there's been uh, been a lot of we, we call it like a trench mentality. you know we're all we're getting into the, the off when, when we were in spring ball. We uh, we embrace the fact that this is a new team. We have we have some coaches and some new new positions, but we understand how good we can be. And so, understanding that when we start getting into the thick of it, you know, heading in, especially heading into fall camp uh, coming come come August, uh, yeah, just super excited to to be, be in a position to be to know we can be successful.
3: Is it a difficult
1: thing to keep a hold of in your minds? Just the potential of the team. The way we think about it is, that's the standard. You know, like I said before, we're in a unique position where uh, we can contend for a national championship every year. You know, uh, we're we're a program where that's the standard, and really, you know, we can have success in the regular season. We can. Uh, we can win win a whole bunch of games, but ultimately, what matters is, is what happens uh, in the first week, of, first second week of January, and uh, that's the that's the standard. And so, I would say that um, there's really not a whole lot of pressure because we understand that that's what's expected uh, of us, not from not just from the
3: community around us, but from ourselves. AJ Forbes, uh, Montana Center, guy who transferred over from Nebraska, but he's been in Missoula for a couple of years now. Mainstay of that Grizzly offensive line. What's that transition been like? Because I remember you coming in from Nebraska, and and now you're one of the most experienced guys on the offensive line. Yeah, uh, it's
1: kind of crazy the fact that this is my senior year. Uh, when I came when I came to Missoula in in, in 2020 after transferring from Nebraska, I. I really just wanted the opportunity to show everybody else what I knew I was capable of and I I have been, I have been super blessed with but with with Coach Houck and, and coach Germer giving me the opportunity to, to do that uh, and the fact that this is my senior year I really want to leave the University of Montana uh, better than how I found
0: it. AJ Forbes, a senior center, for the Grizz football team, it's the Montana Football Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications. What's the most important position battle at Montana State? We shall discuss next. Keep it right here. Want us now ESPN Radio.
2: Point nine ESPN
0: Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. A punk rock Monday for you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. nuanas now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the uh, ESPN MT app. Appreciate you for hanging out with us here on this Monday. I'm Coulter Nuanas here at the ESPN MT studio. As we're cruising through the Montana football hour, last one of July... But we're absolutely into the throes of it now. Football season is upon us. We talked about some Grizz action last segment, particularly the Grizz quarterback battle, as well as just some of the expectations through the, uh, the voice of A.J. Forbes, the senior center for the Grizzlies. How about the Bobcats, though? I think the Cats uh, proved that they can run a, a true two-quarterback system a year ago, as they did that with great success with Tommy Mallott and Sean Chambers. I think the Cats, for as as secondary as their passing game is, they've had some pretty explosive receivers over the last several years. I mean, that's why they put multiple guys in the NFL, Lance McCutcheon, Kevin Cassis, uh, Travis Johnson, and that's certainly going to be another – but they prove. I guess what I'm saying is they've proven they can rotate skill players, uh, both receiver, running back, tight end, all that, and their offensive lines flush with depth and talent. So I think that across the board offensively, Montana State's set. I mean, they, they averaged 42 points a game last year, and they're bringing back quite literally everybody uh, from that unit except for uh, Isaiah Fonse, who was the All-American running back. Uh, And that's about it. Other than that, pretty much everybody's back. Plus, they add a four star recruit in Laniata Alexander, who's expected to be their their starting slot receiver. And Taco Dollar won't be available early, but if he can be available late, that's yet another guy they add to the stable of Playmakers. So, offensively, I think the Cats are set. I also think they have uh, great defensive line depth. They run this system where they play eight to 10 defensive linemen in every single game. They have also a nice little three man rotation for their two linebacker spots. O'Reilly is going to have to step in and, and be one of the guys with his brother Callahan on the way out the door. But I do think uh, Danny Eula uh is, is a good player that could be great. I think that Nolan Askelson's a good player that could be great. And I think Makeda Riley could be very good as well. So there's your sort of three guys there. So I think that the most intriguing part of Montana State's fall camp, which opens on Thursday, is the jockeying for positioning as well as uh, who can rise and emerge in the defensive secondary. I, th- I think Rylan Ort's the surefire guy at strong safety. I think Simeon Woodard is the surefire guy at one of the two corner spots. But who wins the other corner spot? Can Miles Jackson fulfill the potential of being a, a former three-star recruit out of the Portland area and one of the one of the top guys brought in during the, the last couple of years of the Jeff Choate days? Devin Davis has the frame. He's a 6'2 corner, but he's been hurt pretty much the whole time. He's at MSU. Can he rise up? How about Jackson Harmon as a kid that they took a flyer on from up in Alaska, but who's really developed and and progressed? So that'll be interesting, the corner spots. I also think the, the battle between Drew Polidor, Tyson Pottinger, and Blake Stilwell at the free safety spot will be an important one as well, because in the Cats' defense, they got their four-down linemen. they got their two linebackers and a nickel. We'll get to that in just a minute. Then they have their strong safety, who sometimes plays in the run fits, sometimes plays on the perimeter, but but is certainly more toward the box. Then they have a free safety, who's like a true center fielder. So they need a guy with great ball skills who can really run. That's why converting Polidor, a former corner, might pay really great dividends. But Pottinger's a guy that can hit a little bit as well, not necessarily as rangy, but probably a better tackler. So who wins out among those guys and I don't think you'd bring in a, a J.C. transfer like Blake Stillwell unless you thought you needed a guy there or you just wanted to really ramp up the competition. So that's going to be a fun one for the Cats as well. But that's all to bring it around to. I think definitively the most important position battle for Montana State this upcoming month is at the nickel spot. Ty Ocotta was the best nickel you could maybe say in the country uh, at the FCS level the last couple of years. He was so good that he got an opportunity with the Seattle Seahawks. In Montana State's defense, the nickel is certainly the guy that's going to be responsible for setting the edge, but also a lot of times matched up against the slot receiver. If you can play in the box and make tackles and also cover guys in space, that's the ideal nickel. How much does Montana State rotate at nickel back though? Because I don't know if they have a guy that fits the, the the Swiss Army knife like Ty Okada did. I mean, who does? Okada was a, a you know basically essentially a four year starter at that nickel spot. He rotated all over the place, though. He played some free safety. He played some strong safety. He played some corner. Multifaceted. One of the smartest guys we've ever covered. So certainly he, uh, I mean, I, it's not even fair to say it's, he's hard to replace. He's impossible to replace. That said, I do think Lavell Price has been an underrated piece there at MSU the last couple of years. He's a really good cover guy. But is he a guy that could get exploited? I guess, you know, a South Dakota State or a Weaver State when they're just running downhill at you. If you get him caught up in the box, is that a disadvantage for you? I'm not sure. Caden Dowler is a kid who was a high school linebacker slash strong safety at Billings West. Way bigger body. He's about 6'2, 210. Can he cover, though? And then if you're playing Eastern Washington or you're playing Sacramento State, is that a guy that gets exploited by the slot receiver? I'm not sure. And then Aiden Parks is the other guy. They brought him in as a linebacker, kind of an undersized linebacker, but, but he's built, worked his way on the depth chart. Those are the three guys coming out of spring at that nickel spot. So where do the responsibilities fall? Do, do you play Price maybe on passing downs and dollar and on rundowns? Do you have multiple packages that get all three of them involved? I'm not sure, but I, I do think that all three of those guys are guys that are uh, have earned good good reviews within the program. Certainly have have made some waves within the Montana State program, but certainly names that maybe people aren't as familiar with outside of the program. So it's certainly going to be a spot to watch. Not only because there's multiple competitors there, but also because the potential drop off. They got to find uh, uh, some solid solutions there because if if they're a, if that goes from. A strength, if not the strength of your defense, to, to then a weakness, uh, that's tough. Where, where do you sort of make up that production? How do you sort of mitigate that? I do think it's an important spot there uh, for MSU uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Montana football hour just flew by. It's because the season's upon us. Fall camp's starting later on this week for both the Grizz and the Cats. So plenty more football talk coming up, including in hour number two. We'll talk some Grizz recruiting. We'll give you a couple more position battles to watch. We'll uh, discuss what actually is, quote-unquote, getting left of the dust mean with all this conference realignment stuff. we got Sean Chambers, a quarterback from Montana State, coming up. Plus, we'll talk all about Andrew's experience at his first live UFC fight. All of it next. This has been the Montana Football Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications, the official digital sponsor of both Grizzly Sports and Bobcat Sports. Visit goblackfoot.com. Nuan is now our number two coming at you, 1029 ESPN Radio.